Good morning, everybody. You're tuning into the news at Morning Mixtape. It is Monday, September 18th, and I'm your host, Vanessa Tiberio, reporting for Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. Here are top stories this morning. First up, thousands are left without power as post-tropical storm Lee exits the Maritimes. Then, six daycares in Calgary are issued closures due to an E. coli outbreak. And for our last story, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is returning home after a trip to Russia's Far East. Then we'll hear from Samina with this week's segment of Turn the Page. And lastly, we'll hear from Amber with a wrap-up from TIFF. So let's get into this morning's news. Over 200,000 Nova Scotia residents are left without power after the post-tropical storm Lee made its exit yesterday. Power crews worked all day Sunday to restore power as winds were still gusting up to 70 kilometers per hour in mainland areas. The powerful cyclone made landfall on Saturday, causing flooding and downing trees as it swept to the western tip of Nova Scotia and headed towards New Brunswick. According to CBC News, the National Hurricane Center in the U.S. said the storm first made landfall in Long Island, Nova Scotia, with maximum sustained winds of over 100 kilometers per hour. Currently, there have been no reports of major infrastructure damage or missing people, injuries, or death. According to CBC News, crews were out on roads as soon as winds died down on Sunday to remove knockdown trees and restore power. CBC News reports most people should expect to have their power restored by the end of the day today. However, those living in the hardest-hit areas may have to wait longer. For our next story, six Calgary daycares are closed as an E. coli outbreak continues to spread. Alberta Health Services ordered closure for six additional daycares after children who attended the facilities tested positive for the bacterial infection. In a statement sent just before midnight on Friday, Alberta Health said some newly infected children are connected to daycares from the original outbreak. Alberta Health stated they don't yet know exactly how they were infected. As of Saturday, CBC News reports over 300 lab-confirmed cases connected to the outbreak. 23 of these cases are from secondary transmission. There are currently 12 patients in the hospital due to the infection. Alberta Health Services says the number of patients in the hospital is decreasing despite the increase in cases. Alberta Health is asking parents only to send their children to another facility if they have tested negative for E. coli and don't have symptoms. According to CBC News, Alberta Health said investigators are working with facility operators to inspect each daycare center to determine which kids may have been in contact with symptomatic children. All daycare facility closures are posted on the Alberta Health Services website. And for our final story this morning, North Korea leader Kim Jong-un is on his way home after concluding his trip to Russia's Far East. Kim departed in an armored train on Sunday, marking the end of the six-day trip that sparked global concerns about weapon transfer details between the two countries. A farewell ceremony marked Kim's departure. A Russian military band played North Korean and Russian national anthems. Russian senior officials were also present at the farewell ceremony. The trip marked Kim's longest foreign travel since he took power in late 2011. Kim is expected to arrive in Pyongyang this afternoon. 
Kim met with Russian President Vladimir Putin during the trip and visited key military and technology sites. According to the Associated Press, Kim told Putin his country would offer its full and unconditional support for Russia's fight to defend its security interests. Al Jazeera reports Moscow was believed to be interested in buying North Korean ammunition to continue its fight against Ukraine. Meanwhile, Pyongyang wants Russia's help developing its internationally condemned missile program. The Kremlin has said no such agreement has been signed. Kim also invited Putin to visit North Korea, which Putin accepted. This was Kim's second summit meeting with Putin, the last being in April 2019. Well, that was all for me today. And now here is Samina with this week's episode of Turn the Page. Take it away, Samina. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Turn the Page. My name is Samina. Each week, I'm going to make a book recommendation, and I hope it gets you turning the pages. Roughly two weeks is the amount of time students have returned to classes. This week, they were met with a surprise. Empty shelves. Books published in 2008 or earlier were removed from school libraries without announcement. No guidelines were given. A grade 10 student noticed the lines gradually shrinking, but yesterday it appears 50% of the books were gone. Ontario's education minister has asked the Peel District School Board to immediately end the removal after concerns were raised by students, teachers, and parents. The goal is to remove books that are not inclusive. The title of the book is The Diary of Anne Frank, also known as The Diary of a Young Girl. The author is Anne Frank. Originally published on June 1, 1947, it is one of the books removed from the shelves. To clarify, after the news became public, the diary of Anne Frank will remain in the library, with newer versions to replace the books in poor condition. A blank notebook was a 13th birthday present to Anne from her parents on June 12, 1942. The final entry was August 1944. In her first entry, Anne writes, I hope I will be able to confide everything to you, as I have never been able to confide in anyone, and I hope you will be a great source of comfort and support. In reading her words, we meet a regular 13-year-old who loves her family, has a great group of friends, and is now attending a school specifically for Jewish students. She speaks all about the restrictions faced by Jewish people from the curfews to places she can no longer go to wearing a yellow star on her clothing. Anne's parents plan to go into hiding for some time. When Margot, Anne's older sister, is about to be sent to a war camp, the family moves up their plans and leaves abruptly in the middle of the night. Along with the Frank family, the Herman Van Pels, his wife August, and their son Peter also go into hiding. Two family friends who helped the Franks escape and continued to help them when they were hiding found loose pages and put together the book with permission from Otto Frank to publish this diary. He was the only surviving member. This book should be required reading for everyone. It may not be one you enjoy reading. It is angry, painful, and miserable. There are a few lighthearted moments, though. In reading the diary, you learn of the hardships endured by many during the Holocaust. This is one girl's perspective, one who never gives up hope. The main purpose of books is to shape and inform culture. When restrictions of any kind are placed on it, you get a skewed view of the world. If you find there's a book you want to read immediately, check with your local library, and don't forget to check Overdrive for a digital copy. You can also check your local independent bookstore. If you enjoyed this book and want to share your thoughts or make a recommendation, please find us on Instagram at MetRadio. Thank you for listening. Happy reading. Thank you so much, Samina. 
And now, here's Amber with a wrap-up from this year's TIFF. Hello everyone, my name is Amber and you're listening to Met Radio CJTM 1280 AM. Welcome to my TIFF Look Back. So, I myself and a couple others at Met Radio have been covering the Toronto International Film Festival. And for the last 10 days, we have all seen some incredible films. But to me, there are a couple that really stuck out. First is The Boy and the Heron, Hayao Miyazaki's supposed final film. Now, I love Studio Ghibli, and from what I've seen, they really never miss. The Boy and the Heron was no exception. It dealt with themes of morality and family in a way that was so compelling, and the animation was just incredible. It was such a treat to see it on the big screen with so many other Studio Ghibli fans. The next film that I enjoyed was Mother Couch, Nicholas Larson's full-length debut. So, on paper, the plot sounded decently simple. A mother refuses to leave a couch in a furniture store, and her three estranged children have to figure out what's happening and how to get her out. But what really set this film aside was the cinematography and the bizarre, surreal aspect of it. Now, these two films are, were on my list for films that I was excited to see, so now let's talk about the ones that surprised me. First is American Fiction, which was probably my favorite film from the festival. It was a dramatic comedy about the commodification of marginalized voices. Equally heavy and hilarious, it was very thought-provoking. And lastly, the Arabic film Hajan is about a young camel racer, his camel, and their fight against the foul play that goes on behind the scenes of the race. A truly stunning film set in the desert. Now, I highly encourage you to go see these films when they are available, and we will be doing more in-depth reviews over the next couple of weeks, so be sure to tune in on air as well as on our website. For Met Radio, I'm Amber. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Amber. And that was all from this morning's newscast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. For Met Radio, 1280 AM in Toronto, I'm Vanessa Tiberio. Thank you for listening.